This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Today, I'm going to kind of take that and extend their thoughts a little bit, but but really for the most of the time today, I just want to talk about uh, how good God has been. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I get drug into the perspective that our world has a lot. And, and if you spend much time reading the newspapers or listening to people at work or looking on social media, before long, you're going to find a lot of reasons uh, to think that the world is ugly and it's, and it's broken and it's lost. But can I, can I just remind you, can, there's, there's some times that we want, we as a church, as your pastor, I'm going to talk to you about relationships and forgiveness and budgeting and parenting. But, but today, I, and I'm probably not going to say anything new. I'm probably just going to remind you. But sometimes we need to be reminded, don't we? And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to remind you. And, 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 and I, was, I was thinking as I was waking up this morning, you know, I, I took a deep breath. And, and, and when I did, I don't know if you know this, but, but in this room, there's somewhere around 19 to 21% oxygen. As, as human beings, we need about 17%. In our in our air, we need seventeen percent oxygen. We 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 live in a world where where if there was too little, life couldn't be sustained. If there's too much, too much oxygen actually would hurt our lungs. But that's that's what we need when we take that. Di- and somehow today, we we all woke up and we took a deep breath, and God provided. God gave us breath today. He did, and, and we're all here. And, and I think that sometimes we just need to be reminded of what this verse says in Job 33. It says, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. It's not even my breath. I mean, God is the one who gives me this. I mean, He is. Isn't that amazing to think that we have a really narrow need when it comes to the amount of oxygen? We and somehow God has provided that. Our God is so good that He has given us breath and life. And and today, I mean, there's listen in, in the pandemic of a respiratory virus. Sometimes some of us have been there when it's been a, a struggle to breathe. But today we can wake up and take that deep breath and, and feel our lungs fill with life. And it's a, it's a gift, but, you know, it's not always going to stay that way. There is times that our health breaks. And I, and I want you to know today that God is still good when we go through times when, when our health feels broken. Because our God is good. He actually shows up and heals he actually shows up when, when we're when we're sick. And many of y'all have been there before. You you've been you've been in that moment when you've prayed, God, I need you to heal my body, or I need you to heal my friend or my family member. And God has shown up, and maybe through medicine, right? Maybe whatever it was, God's shown up and He's healed. I love Psalm 103. It talks about um, the the kind of benefits that we have in our relationship with God. I've even preached an entire series on this. It says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All right, There are side effects, good side effects to choosing to follow God, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. 
Right? That's an amazing promise to know that God is there. God is so good. Not only does he give us breath and give us life, but our God shows up when things are broken because our God is a healer. Our God is a healer. And you've probably been there. You've gotten the, the call from the doctor or gotten the call from a family member. And I don't know if you're like me, but there's a lot of times I'm, I'm not really praying the way I should. I'm not leaning into the presence of God the way I should. But then in those moments, all of a sudden, the, the knee hits the floor and, and God starts to hear from us. And you know what's amazing about God is that God actually hears us. I have three kids, okay? I have three kids. I can't even listen to the kids I have. I have a hard time paying attention to them. But somehow God can listen to us. That's the kind of God we have. Psalm 34 verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their cry. God is so good, not only does He heal us, but our God gives us His attention. He literally gives us his attention. Sometimes my kids are all talking to me at the same time, and I've learned that as a dad, it's really dangerous to say, yeah, okay, sure. That's not wise, because they might be saying something like, Dad, you going to take me out for ice cream later? Yeah, sure. Why? You're not really paying attention, but you're trying to dialogue and process. And I've learned, here's my, here's my dad cheat code of the day, that I just go, that's awesome, buddy. That's awesome. I'm not paying attention at all. But that's awesome, buddy. I don't know what you just said. I couldn't understand you in the first place. I'm not really. But our God is so good that he actually hears us and he gives us. And it's not just like me where I'm passively disengaged, but he actually shows up when we pray and he helps us. That's the kind of God that we have. He doesn't leave us on our own. He actually helps us. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because he's God and we're not. And look at what he says here. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Our God is, is so good. Not only does he hear us, but our God has given us help. Some of y'all have been there before. You needed God to show up. You needed God to help you, and he showed up. And sometimes we just need to be reminded, he's helped us in a lot of different ways. I don't know if you've ever been in need. Anybody ever been in need? You ever lost a job? You ever found out you got a bill you didn't know about? All right, realize there's something going on in your marriage that you didn't know. Find out there's something going on with the kid that you didn't know it was going on. And all of a sudden... Like you realize, man, I need God to show up. Our God is so good that he helps us when we're in need. He helps us when we're in need. Psalm 46, verse 1. Some of y'all need to hear this. Our God is our refuge and our strength. Notice what it says here. An ever-present help in trouble. That means that sometimes when you don't feel like there's help, it's just your feeling. It's not the reality. The Bible says that God is always there to help us. He is an ever-present help when we're in trouble. How good is God? Not only does He hear us, our God is there to help when we need it. Some of y'all have lost a job and, and hit, hit the knees praying, God, give me a, a new job, and, and you're working in that job right now. Some of y'all found out something was going on in your marriage and you begin to pray and God brought healing. 
Right? That's where sometimes God intersects us. He, he actually shows up to help us when we're hurting. You know, if you've ever been around an animal that's hurt, they almost universally do the exact same thing. They run and hide. They try to get away. They try to isolate. They don't want anybody near them. Because in, in, in the wild, it, it's, it's the best chance for them to heal. But a lot of us do that when we're healing, right? We're, we're, we're hurting and we're, we're trying, and we isolate. We try to push people away. We don't, I don't want to talk about it. But here's the good thing to know. Our God shows up when we're hurting. Psalm 119 verse 50 says, My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. There's some of you that are, you're, you're right now, you're suffering in your life. And I want you to recognize that there are some promises in the Bible that God has already made to you that if you will anchor your soul in those promises, they will comfort you in the middle of your healing. And here's just one of them. It's, it's remarkable to know that God has promised that he will work all things for your good. That means when you go through something and it's not fun and it's difficult and it's painful, there's a promise from the heart of God saying, I'm going to make sure that this thing, when it's all done, it's going to work out on your behalf. That's a promise. And it'll become comforting for you in the times that you're going through things and you're suffering. That's the kind of God we, we have a God who shows up when we're hurting. Our God is so good that he comforts us when we're hurting. He doesn't just leave us, and he doesn't leave us where we are. Our God helps us to grow. He helps us to take the next step. I mean, as a, as a parent, you might not be looking and see that your, your kid or, or hear the cries that your kid has touched something that's hot. But, but I want to promise you, just with us being not very good parents in comparative to, to how good God is, we would put steps and try to help the kid know, hey, this is what you don't do when things are hot. It, it hurt. We don't want you to hurt again. God is so good that he shows up. We're not getting it right, and he wants to help us to take the next step, to grow. Hebrews 6, I love this verse out of the message. My, my wife uh, just started a, um, a job. She's a, uh, an art teacher, and so I love this verse just as I've watched her get to do this. So look at this. So come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Now I have a preschool. I have a, I have a 10 and 8 and a 4-year-old and, and the, the, the 4-year-old can't draw anything. I don't know if you've ever had a 4-year-old. A few a few days ago in um, in art class at, at his school, his little preschool, they, they gave him some finger paint and he decided that he was going to draw mom. And it is the most unflattering picture that has ever been drawn of my wife, ever. It's just a big black blob. That's all it is. There's no, there's no creativity in there. And, and, <laughs> and, and the Apostle Paul in, in this is saying, no, no, let's leave that. You got more skill than that. And let's move on. to the, And look at what he says next. Grow up in Christ. I'm going to say something prophetically that somebody in here needs to hear. Grow up. Grow up. Not the baby in the back. I didn't mean to offend you. We are so glad you brought your baby with you today. We love kids. No. 
But some of us need to hear that. And that's a loving thing. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and instead turning to trust in God. How good is our God? Our God helps us grow. He doesn't leave us in our brokenness. He doesn't leave us in our lostness. Our God helps us to grow. And I need somebody needs to hear this today. You have all the tools you need right now to grow where you're at. You do right now. And you, you need to stop saying, God, if, if only you would bring that, or if you would do this, or if these circumstances would change, that's not real, that's not God. Right now, because of God's providence in your life, you have everything that you need to take the next step of faith that God's leading you to. That's how good God is. He helps us grow, and He helps us by, by blessing us, by actually literally doing something for us that, that we could not do for ourselves. And Philippians 4 says this. Just think about that, what you need. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Like, he'll meet all my needs. Like literally everything. Which lets me know that a lot of times we get real confused about what we want and what we need. And we keep saying, God, but, but I need that. And God's going, no. No, what you, it's what you want. It's not what you need. I've provided what you need. I've provided everything you need in this season. That's how good our God, our God is a God who blesses us. That's how good he is. He blesses us. And he's blessed us in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different ways. And I want you to think about that today. I'm going to walk through some of these. And the first one is one that, that we don't like to talk about, and I get it because it provides attention, but God has blessed us financially. Now, there, there's attention in that because we, we think that we don't, we don't want to say this, and this is not true, that if you give your life to Jesus and you follow, God's going to make you rich. That's not real, okay? But God is a God who blesses us. He is a God who, and, and I don't want to also run that pendulum to the other side where we don't proclaim the truth about God, that He is a God who blesses God has blessed you. I'm going to argue that real quickly, that God has blessed you financially. I want you to see two things about this. Today. Number one, Proverbs 10, 22 says this, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Do you know in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that, that you, Adam, you're going to go and try to, try to earn for your family, try to take care of your family, but it's going to be now with pain. It's going, to, it's going to take a lot of work to, for you to do it. And, and, and what, what's happening here is I believe the Bible is declaring how God breaks the curses of sin. Like the, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. That now God calls us into purpose and calling where once there was pain, now there's joy. I want you to see today that our God has richly blessed us. Now, I want to stop there because I know that there's probably some people in here going, yeah, but that's not me. I'm, I, you don't know where we are as a family. We're, 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 we're living well below the, the standard of a lot of our friends. We, we don't do a lot of those other things. We, 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 if you came to our house, it's very modest. We, we, drive, we drive older cars. We, we, don't, we don't wear the nice clothes, all of that thing. Now, I want you to think about kind of where you are when it comes to your income. You know, Stanley County, 
uh, combined out household income, we, we kind of average somewhere in the low 40s, around $42,000. For a family, that's a mom and a dad who are both earning and bringing in income for their family around $42,000 a year, okay? I know many of us in this room, we're well above average. It's just where we are. We're above average. Do you know that if you make $50,000 a year combined income that that's fit just 50 okay that you are in the top 5% of the wealth in the world top 5% that's $50,000 that means let me put that in context if we if we had a hall right a room right down the hall and i said i'm going to i'm going to invite you to come in there, there there's going to be representatives from around the world that represent all of those different places and stratospheres, what, what you're going to see, what you're going to see is that you'd walk into that room, and if you were that person that you made 50,000, there would be 95 people in that room that you would make more money in a year than they make. Many of them would, would make in a year what you make in a week. Many of them would make in, in a year what you make in a month. I mean, we just need to be honest about it. God has blessed us financially, okay? He has. When we see it in the scope of the world, he has blessed us financially. But it's not just, it's not just the stuff that we can see. How many of y'all know that nobody's really wealthy until they are wealthy with stuff that you can't buy, Right? And if you think about your life right now, you probably have some friends, and God has blessed us relationally. He's brought people into our lives that we have relationships with. And I want you to look at this. This is one of my favorite verses when I think about my friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. How many of y'all have ever had a friend that became family? All right, they're not blood. They're not blood, but they, they all of a sudden they became like blood. Like my, my friend Shane that we preached at uh, his church in South Carolina, my kids call him Uncle Shane. He's not my brother. All right, we, we just went through some stuff together. We, we had to fight for each other. We had to get on our knees and pray through some seasons and believe God to do something in each other's life. And, and somehow in those seasons, God takes somebody who's just a friend and, and turns it into a brother. That's how good God, God has blessed us with friends. He's blessed you with friends. You might only have a few of them. You might have a lot of them. But that's not the end of our relationships, is it? In various forms, God has blessed us with family. He's blessed us with family. And, you know, I love this verse out of, out of Psalm 127. It's a verse that really reminds me as a dad how I should think about my family. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. I, I love that because an arrow is only valuable if you're willing to let go of it, you know. And, and our kids are really only valuable in this world. And, and I believe that as believers, we, we have the most important thing in our family. Like we are, we are raising up the next generation that's going to carry the message of Jesus forward. That's valuable, but they're only valuable when we're willing to let go of them. And notice what it says here. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I'm going to tell you what else is, 
happening when your quiver, our, our quiver feels full. Sometimes it feels like we have 17 kids. I don't know about y'all. We have three kids, and I don't know how in the world they fill that house. But when, when your quiver is full, not only is it filled with blessing, but it's also filled with chaos. It's filled with mess. Right, it's filled with markers that have been writing on the wall when they weren't supposed to. How many of y'all been there before? Right, so when they get a little older, it's going to be a hole in the wall at some point. You know it's coming. Right, all of that's there. But you know what I've noticed about family? Our families often represent some of our greatest challenges and our greatest blessings. And can I just remind you to take a step back and stop focusing on the stuff that gets on your nerves? All right. There's probably stuff in you that gets on other people's nerves. Let's focus on what's good and let's cherish it. Because God has blessed us with family. God has blessed us not just with those. He's blessed us with things we can't see. He's blessed us spiritually. I love this. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Isn't that good to know that God is, is spirit and our God is so good that he has blessed us spiritually. And, and I want you to think about that today because there's some ways that God has blessed you spiritually that matter a lot to your everyday life. They matter in, in tomorrow morning when you get ready to go to work. These things matter. And the first thing is that God has blessed us spiritually with power. How many of y'all feel weak? You feel tired? You feel like you've run out of energy. You don't know how you're going to get it done. There's stuff that's on your list that you're just dreading to have to do. Isn't it good to know that God has spiritually blessed us with power? Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. That's how good our God is. He doesn't leave you to your weakness. He doesn't leave you to your brokenness. Our God has given us power. That's how good He is. Our God gives us power, and He shows up in moments that we need him. You ever been there? I don't know what to do about this, God. My kids have done this, or my, my, my wife or my husband's done this. Man, my boss is just acting weird. I don't know how to navigate that. But God is a God who blesses us spiritually with wisdom. Some of y'all have been there. You've prayed about it, and you've sensed the Holy Spirit speak to you, and God's given you direction, and He's led you. It's amazing. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. God gives wisdom. We don't earn wisdom. We don't gain wisdom. We are given wisdom. You might gain experience. You might gain knowledge, but God gives wisdom without finding fault, and it will be given to you. How good is our God? It just keeps getting better. Our God gives us wisdom. When we don't know what to do, when we feel lost, when we feel broken, our God gives us wisdom. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. When you look over the landscape of your life, it just feels like the things in my life, I don't deserve them. And what I really do deserve, I don't feel like I got. In, in, in theological terms, the terms are grace and mercy. Grace means I've got some stuff in my life that I didn't earn. I don't deserve it. 
Mercy means that I deserve something that I didn't get. I deserve to be punished, but I wasn't. I didn't deserve what I got. God has blessed us spiritually with grace and mercy. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. This is not something we earn. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want you to see this. Our God has given us grace and mercy. We didn't earn it. We could never earn it. We'll never do anything that makes us deserve it. God's grace is God's unmerited favor on our lives. His mercy is how he spared us by punishing Jesus so we're no longer punished. And through that, God blesses us spiritually with forgiveness. I mean, just it just keeps getting better. I know that there's something in your heart and in my heart, and we know we have not got it right. We know that there's something wrong in this world. It's not right. And the good thing about it is God, through Jesus Christ, has paid the way to forgive you. Uh, Psalm 32 talks about how this works when it says, Then I acknowledge my sin and did not cover up my iniquity. In other words, I, I went plainly to God and said, I've, I've blown it. I didn't get it right. And, and then said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. So we confess, God, I've sinned. I've blown it. And this is, what, this is what God does. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Because Jesus was declared guilty and became the sacrifice, now I am not guilty in God's sight. Because I am now under the righteousness of Christ. It's, it's the difference between a sin nature and a sin. When we are born, sin is who we are and what we do. It's the nature we have, and it's the actions we have. All right, so when sin is the... Like, for example, I've never had to teach my kids to be bad. They kind of figure that out on their own. Have you ever noticed that? Like, you give kids a marker, and they're going to figure out how to color on the one thing you don't want them to color on. There's sin in there. It's brokenness. It's the, the sin nature. And Colossians says when we come to Jesus, that is cut away. We are now free. That means that we won't always make the right decision, but we can now make the right decision. We're free to do it. And so we need to see today that God is so good that through Jesus, our God gives us forgiveness. That's how good he is. And for many of you, I didn't say this in the last, but, but, for, but I feel like somebody needs to hear this. For, for many of you, that's the end of the gospel for you, that God forgives you. But that's not the end of the gospel. I want you to see that, that God has blessed you spiritually with something else. That's how good he is. God created you for a purpose that's other than being forgiven. God blessed you with love. Let's go. The most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus, shall not perish but have eternal life. What does that tell me? That God, God created you to love you. That's what God, God wants to love you. God created you. You are the object of his affection. He loves you. He cares about you. That's how good God is. So it begs for us to ask the question, why? 
Why is God so good to us? And it's really easy to answer when you look at his nature. If you're taking notes, this is the first thing in your notes. Number one, God is by nature a giver. He is by nature a giver. Think about John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. And a lot of us think that, okay, well, that's talking about God's love. But, but the love in that verse is the motivation. It's not the action. For God so loved the world that he gave. A lot of us need to hear this about love. Sometimes we can say we love, but we don't give the love away. How many people are there in your life that you need to show them that you love them because you, you've been saying it, but we need to show it. God shows us. He loved, so he gave his son. And you know what the Bible says about me and you? In Romans 8, 29, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Now just stop there. For God knew what was going to happen. None of no, nothing is ever surprised. For God knew who was going to choose him, and so He predestined. That means He He arranged the things that were going to happen in this life so that we would intersect His story at just the right moment. For those God foreknew, He also predestined. What's the purpose here? To be conformed to the image of His Son, so that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. If God is a giver, and we are to be conformed into the image of His Son, then I want you to see this. To be like Jesus, we must become givers. We will never be more like God than when we choose to be generous. It is the nature of God to be a giver. And if we're going to become like God, then we need to be givers. So the question, why is God good to us? Why? Here's the simple answer. God is good to us so that we can be good to others. Why does God love you? Why did, why did God show up in that moment when you were broken and on your bed and crying and praying and saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And he showed up and he loved you and he encouraged you. He showed up so that you would love somebody else that way. Why did God, when you walked through a mistake that you knew, you knew you had blown it, you didn't deserve anything, and you walked through it and you humbly came before God and said, God, I, 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 I blew it. I need you to forgive me. And God gave you grace and mercy. And he did that so that you would give others grace and mercy and forgiveness when they did that to you. God gave you guidance and wisdom so that you could share that with other people who were going through the same thing. I, I love the parable of the talents that, that John and Brian taught on. You know, the, the master comes in and he gives bags of gold. We, we know basically on the weight and the way gold is valued today, each bag would have been around $5 million. $5 million in each one. One servant got one, one servant got two, and another servant got five. And the master was gone for a long time, and he came back 
And, and, and pay attention. When the, the one who had won, who had $5 million, showed back and said, said, here's your money. I didn't lose any of it. Which I would have been like happy, okay, if I was the master. But Jesus is making a point. Because if you pay attention in, in the text, what happens is he calls him wicked and lazy. You wicked and lazy servant. You know why he calls them wicked and lazy? Because when God, when, when, and, and the master is, is in that story, kind of depicting the character and nature of God, when God gives us something, he doesn't intend for us to sit on it. He intends for us to use it and to put it to work. We've got to be willing to release what God blesses us with into God's purposes. And that's what happened. With the other two, the one who had two took it and he went to work and he came back with four and the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now I will trust you with more. The one who had five back, $25 million, the master comes back and he has now, he has 10 bags, $50 million. And did you pay attention to what the master said? The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a little. I don't know about y'all, but $25 million ain't little to me. Okay? You have been faithful with a little. Now I will trust you with more. But I think that in that story, Jesus is reminding us that everything we have is a little compared to what can God can bless you with. Everything that you possess, you might think, well, I've got the best friends that I will ever have in my entire life. And I know that some of them aren't doing the right things and they're trying to kind of lead me to do some things. I know, But God, I don't want to let go of them because it'll never get any better than that. God, I know that financially you've blessed me and I, I'm so thankful for that. But God, I, I don't want to let go of the money because it's, ne it's never going to be any more than this, God. And I think that what we see is that Jesus is saying, no. God's always got more. He's always got more if we're faithful with a little. In, in 2 Corinthians, there's a, an event that happens, and it's, it's so peculiar, especially in our modern day and age. The Apostle Paul is, is writing to, to the church in Corinth, and, and he's actually kind of giving them a hard time. He's writing from Macedonia, which is some pretty poor churches. And there's something going on in the body of Christ at that point. There's all the churches are taking up a collection for, for a missionary issue, right? They're, they're sending some money to help take care of something. And, and the church in Corinth has promised a lot of money. They're a very wealthy, wealthy church. In a lot of ways, they represent our lives. They are very wealthy. They have a lot of resources. And they've promised a lot, but they haven't fulfilled it. They haven't followed through. I don't know about y'all, but have y'all ever been in this room and said, God, I'm going to do this, and you walked out and you didn't do it? And you came back in this room and you said, God, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that again, and you walked out and you did it again? The Apostle Paul is writing them, and he says, I want you to understand what just happened because I'm about to come visit you with some of these people, and I don't want you to be embarrassed. They're very poor. 
But in the beginning of 2 Corinthians 8, he says, their poverty welled up into rich generosity. They did more than we could have ever imagined. More than we could have ever imagined. He says, I I want you to be prepared when we come because I don't want you to be embarrassed when there's a couple of really poor people who have been very generous that are with me and you that are very wealthy have not even followed through on the promise that you made. And then he gives some very practical advice. In verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Now, now the, the principle there is Jesus chose to leave heaven where he was comfortable and become uncomfortable for you and me. He gave up his comfort so that he could serve our greatest need. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, listen, we got to live lives like that. We're, we're willing to give up what's comfortable so that we can serve others and love them. And then in the, the next chapter, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And I know that you can read that verse and think of a little bit like karma, like if I do good things, good things are going to happen to me. If I do bad things, bad things are going to happen to me. But that's not the principle that's there. When you think about how good God has been, you, you have to realize that it's a lot like seed. The blessings of God are, are, are in our hands. And if we're not willing to let go of them, we don't give the blessings an opportunity through faith to multiply. And, and it's a little bit like those, those servants with, with the parable of the town. If you're not willing to put the blessing to work, it's not going to bless you. And I love this next verse. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not reluctantly. In other words, I give. I don't, I don't give like I, I, I'm giving, but I don't really want to. And, and it's not compulsion. Like I just got excited. And to, No, just decide in your heart, you and the Lord, what, what do I need to, what does generosity look like for my family? And then be obedient. And what you're going to find is that this next verse is so true that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. I don't know about y'all, but I need some of that. At all times, with all things, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is a call to generosity. So just to wrap this up, just to remind you, number one, God has been so good to you. I mean, he showed up when you needed him. He was there when, when you didn't know which way to go. He was the friend that was sitting at the edge of your bed when you were crying. God has been good to you. But number two, God is good to us so that we can be generous to others. That's why. God's loved you so that you can love others. He's given you forgiveness, grace, and mercy so that you can give that to others. He showed up and got you through some hard times so that you can show up for somebody in your life and get them through some hard times. God has blessed you financially so that you can be generous financially. 
And some of y'all are going, listen, I don't, I don't have that much. I only have a little. If you feel like right now, maybe it's friends, I only have a few. Maybe it's energy, I only have a little. Maybe it's time, money. Don't miss next week. We're going we're to wrap this up by talking about what do we do when we only have a little? How do we, how do we stay faithful when we only? It's going to be real practical. I believe it's going to help some of y'all, okay? Don't miss it. But as we wrap, can I just remind you of this? You might only have a little, but God is looking for those who will be faithful with a little. Will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.